Hello, boxing fans and movie fans. This is a dual show for both uh, channels. Mike Tyson, The Knockout, Parts 1 and 2, which can be seen on Hulu or ABC uh, On Demand. We're going to review Parts 1 and 2 separate because Part 1, in my opinion, was... uh, There there are a bunch of holes in Part 1. Part 2 was tremendous. So it's like part one was a 40-degree day, and part two was an 80-degree day with, 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 with no clouds. <laughs> it's just, it's just, okay. It's just, it's just crazy how it was uneven. Because um, we'll get right into it. Part one shows uh, archival footage, a lot of nice archival footage, of Mike as a young boy playing with pigeons. Uh, they tell the story. Of how he wanted he uh, became a, a he wanted to become a boxer after a bully killed one of his pigeons. Uh, they they show when when he's first introduced to Customato after being sent to a boy's home in upstate New York. They show the whole incident between him and Teddy Atlas, and which is true. And they interviewed Teddy Atlas, and Teddy Atlas was tremendous as he always in, is in recounting what happened. Uh, what happened was. Tyson allegedly fondled uh, his sister-in-law, uh, who was, I think she was 12 or 13 at the time. Mike was 14. And Teddy took uh, uh, Mike Mike Tyson, a young, a 14-year-old Mike Tyson, to the uh, the woods behind Customano's home to uh, put a gun to his head and then fired it up in the air and scared the shit out of Mike. And, um... Mike went to Cuss, and Cuss saw Mike Tyson as million-dollar property, millions of dollars of property. And so he sided with Mike and told Teddy, take your shit and go. He fired Teddy Atlas as Mike's trainer. See, see, see Logan, at that time, while Cuss, quote-unquote, Mike Tyson's trainer, he was in his 70s, and he was too old and broken down to follow Mike with the, with the road work. And with with the sparring and all of that, he needed somebody younger. Teddy at the time, Logan, was between the ages of 24 and 26, former boxer from Staten Island, former custom model, protege. And so he thought that Teddy, being that he was mentored by Cuss, could bring Mike discipline. And that's what Teddy was doing. Now, I don't agree with the whole gun to the face. I think it would have been better off. I think Teddy did the gun because he knew he probably couldn't kick Mike's ass. <laughs> but maybe if he used the gun without shooting and threatened Mike and then have Mike cry and apologize. But by him pulling that trigger, it cost Teddy Atlas millions of dollars uh, because of what happened with Mike later on. Teddy was fired, and this is the first problem I have with the, the part one of the documentary. Kevin Rudy took over for Teddy Atlas. Custom Model hired uh, Kevin Rudy to take over for Teddy Atlas to become the trainer of Mike Tyson. Nowhere in the part one of the documentary did they ever mention Kevin Rooney's name. Yeah, they he was never, never They acted like he <laughs> never existed. Yeah, what was the, they had a few pictures of him. Yeah, you, how can you not mention the name of the guy who had the single most success of all the trainers that Mike Tyson had. From 1985 to 1988, when Mike Tyson was the number one fighter in the world, popularity-wise, box office, um, just destroying heavyweight after heavyweight, his trainer was Kevin Rooney. And you see the archival footage, Rooney hugging Mike, Rooney giving instructions. They never mentioned his name. That was weird. Maybe because they couldn't get him? Because they couldn't get him to interview. No, I don't know. They couldn't get. They couldn't get Robin Gibbons, and 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 they mentioned her. They 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 they, they, they made her look like a goddamn um, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, they they ripped her. They made her look like uh the evil bitch from the West, and she wasn't. She she didn't get interviewed, right? In part two, they talked about Desiree Washington, and he, she refused the interview. So that doesn't make any sense. How you do not mention the man who had the most success in Mike Tyson's career and coincided with his fall. Because when Mike Tyson fires Kevin Rooney in 
1988, after he knocked out Michael Spinks in the first round, Don King takes total control of his career, and little by little, the fall occurs until February of 1990, when Buster Douglas knocks him out. That was that was my first huge problem with part one of the documentary. Another huge problem I had with part two of the documentary was they had Dapper Don as Dapper Dan, Dapper Dan rather, as one of the a legendary designer, Harlem designer. He designed for anybody who's ever done anything in the music or sports world based in New York, went to Dapper Don and got their suits made, okay? And Mike used to get his suits made by Dapper Dan. Uh, he was a talking head. Now, the most infinite, infamous incident that ever occurred with Mike Tyson was when he almost killed Mitch Green in a street fight in the summer of 1988, a couple of months after he beat Michael Spinks. It happened like, Logan, like 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning at Dapper Dan's, Dapper Dan's spot in Harlem. Uh, Mike went to go get a suit, and Mitch Green happened to be there. And Mitch Green started screaming at Mike, why don't you give me a shot at the title? Uh, 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 you're ducking me, blah, blah, blah. Because Mike had beaten him in 86. It was one of Mike's toughest fights up until that point. But by this point in time, Logan, Mitch Green had been a crackhead. He was a, a severe drug addict, and he was probably out of his mind. Probably was just begging in the street when he saw Mike. Mike reared back and hit him with a right hand, and they showed a picture of his eye, the incident. How do you have the man who owned the store where Mike almost killed a man with a, with a, in a street fight and not talk about what happened that night in one of the most infamous street fights between two boxers in the history of boxing? Yeah, that, like the they, second they, part, they talked about yeah. him suing Mike for that. Yeah, but, but they don't second. say why. Yeah. Why? <laughs> and they could have went back to part. It doesn't make sense. It was yeah. another hole, and... Man, that and then the third problem I got with part one of the documentary, and this was a severe problem, okay, a huge problem. As one of the talking heads, they had Skip Bayless, former host of First Take. Skip Bayless knows nothing about boxing. Skip Bayless, back in the 1980s, was a Dallas, Texas newspaper sports reporter and columnist who covered the Dallas Mavericks and the Dallas Cowboys. He had nothing to do with boxing, yet they had him on as a boxing expert talking about Mike Tyson when he doesn't know shit about boxing. How do you have him on Kellerman, who's on your payroll, who's on the ABC, ESPN, Disney payroll, and who replaced Skip Bayless on first take? It didn't make any sense to me. I was flabbergasted. I was befuddled. I was like, what? Why is this clown talking? And he's horrible. <laughs> period. He, 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 he's what's wrong with sports talk today. Why I don't watch it? Because he, he's about histrionics. He's a clown. And that really upset me. Now, to be fair, there was some very good moments in the first uh, part of the documentary. The archival footage was beautiful. Never before scenes of him as an amateur uh, with, with, with the pigeons. Also, Rosie Perez was sensational as a talking head. So was Wallace Matthews, and so was former New York State Commissioner and longtime boxing journalist Randy Gordon. They were tremendous, and they were there back. Rosie was a huge Rosie was like our fathers. Her father was like our fathers. They were huge boxing fans. And so she learned from her father to learn to love boxing and Rosie since she was a little girl has followed boxing. So Rosie was great, but Skip Bayless, what the hell was he doing there? I don't understand it. He <laughs> he brought nothing to the table, and it was a waste. He was a waste of time. They could have used his time and talked about the Kevin Rooney controversy, but no, no. So, um, part one was definitely a negative. Um, on a scale of one to ten. I gave it the most a five, more like a four, because the 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 omission the omission of Kevin Rooney is a huge negative. I don't care how great the filmography is, uh, the cinematography is rather. I don't care um, about the footage, um, 
and them detailing Tyson's career. Talking about Mike Tyson and not talking about Kevin Rooney is like talking about Sugar Ray Leonard and Muhammad Ali and not talking about Angelo Dundee. It does not make sense. It does not complete the clear picture. And so, and then, man, they really railroaded Robin Givens. I want you to talk about that and and, and your feelings (laughs) on how they, I mean, they made her look like the evil witch of the West. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right, but I thought that they... They they portray. I mean, they always have. I mean, I feel like she's always been sort of portrayed that way in the Tyson story, um, yeah. as as being controlling, as being kind of like, you know, manipulative and just looking for the money, and you know that she was just and her and her mom basically were the like evil players there. But I mean, oh, I have no I, you know, I I agree I agree with that. I agree with that, and it and it, and it hurt Robin that she didn't speak to defend herself um my father back then always said uh she pussy with mike and that's why mike acted the way he acted (laughs) but he was physical with her i mean i think he would shake her i don't know if he hit her but he definitely would shake her they both admitted to they both admitted to that um and i think he used to punch walls but you see maybe that's not physical assault but that's emotional assault that's that's meant. I mean, that that does to, to scare. She's maybe a buck twenty. He's two twenty, so he's a hundred pounds heavier than her. He's much stronger than her. One shot could kill her, and so she, you know, she's scared. And um, but she drove him. She drove him to that. I mean, I think she. Yeah, but there's still he, you, he could you could, um, a woman could drive you to violence, but if you act on the violence, oh, yeah. you're just you're, you're more guilty than her driving you to the violence. You should not but I want to know. Yeah. But I just want to know what, like, what she was saying to him, like how she was. I think she was fucking with him pretty hard. I mean, I don't yeah. Know, maybe I, I mean, we we know we know what women, uh, uh, conniving women, manipulative women can do. We've dealt with them in the past. Um, and you know, Mike wasn't on her intellectual level. Uh, my and they were from two opposite. They were from opposite tracks of the uh uh uh. uh, uh of the world. Uh, Mike was a dirt poor kid who came into money. Robin Givens went to the best schools, came from a nice family. So they were two different types. She was she was a bougie chick. Well, she was a street dude. And um, if, you, if, you, if you notice, 99 times on 100, it doesn't compute. Yeah, that's, that's definitely right. Uh, but I think that she, I think he. It looked. It was interesting though. He really. I mean, the women just loved him, man. I mean, he was just like they loved his status. They. they he was never an attractive dude. He. They loved his status. They loved. Oh man, what he could do for them. Um. Remember, this is the and it's even worse now. But but back then, you know, material ma- ma- material things mattered, and he had he was heavyweight champion of the world. And with the heavyweight champion champion of the world up until Mike, that was always up until Mike Tyson, the number one um, goal, the number one athlete in the world was the heavyweight boxing champion of the world. And with that came money. They were always the highest paid athlete in the world. So the women were looking more at his money. The money made him look like Tom Selleck, even though he he looked more like Danny Trejo. <laughs> but uh, let's talk about his his skill as a boxer. Uh, when he was at, in his prime. When, right David, before, when Kevin Rooney was training him, right. Right. He probably could have beaten – Anyone on the top ten, probably. I mean, he was just that. Just his his combination of power and explosiveness. No, no. Is, there's a couple of fighters he couldn't have beaten all time. He couldn't have beaten Ali because of and Ali's in his prime with his speed, his ability to take a punch. And Tyson never had great stamina, even when he was winning between eighty five and eighty eight. Those twelve round fights that did go twelve rounds, he would be exhausted late in the fight, and Ali would take advantage of that. Uh. George Foreman was too big in his prime for Mike Tyson. George Foreman would have done to Mike Tyson what he did to Joe Frazier. He would have obliterated Mike Tyson. 
when George Foreman came out of retirement in 1987, his goal was to face Mike Tyson, and Mike never wanted to fight him. Never. Even came out of jail in 95, he refused to fight George Foreman. George Foreman was seven inches taller than Mike. Mike's only 5'10". Foreman's 6'5", and we know what kind of punch Foreman takes. Uh, Foreman, I think, would have knocked out Mike any time of his career. Those are two fighters that definitely I don't see Mike Tyson beating. Larry Holmes could have beaten Mike Tyson in his prime. Um, I don't know, but if Mike would have landed that right hand, because Mike knocked out Larry when Larry was 80. But a yeah. 28-year-old a twenty-eight year old Larry Holmes in his prime against a 21-year-old Tyson, that would have been an incredible fight. That fight could go either way. Uh, he beats Joe Lewis. He kills Rocky Marciano. Uh, he beats Sonny Liston. He murders uh, Floyd Patterson. Oh, Joe Frazier versus Mike Tyson would be an incredible fight. Probably one of the greatest fights in boxing history. I would give a slight edge to Frazier because of his incredible will. He had more heart than Tyson. Tyson, too many times, as we will see in the second documentary, would quit when it was over, when he knew he had no shot. Yeah, Frazier but never, he, he wasn't good Frazier under adversity. Quit. Yeah. Now, when yeah, you look, under adversity, he was horrible. He He would choke. Now, when you look, but I mean, maybe he wouldn't have if he had somebody like Rooney in his corner. I um, mean, that was the biggest mistake of Mike's career. He allowing Don King to manipulate him and to take over his career when Customato warned him over and over again when he was alive, do not go with Don. After I'm gone, do not go with Don. And what did he do? He went with Don and cost him hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, yeah. Cost him his career. Yeah, and my, and when we get into part two, might have cost him uh, uh, being innocent. Yeah, that too, yeah, because the lawyers yeah. he chose. Uh, yeah, but because the, question the, lawyers I have, chose. Right. the question I have is, Tyson, in his rise, it looked like the whole heavyweight division, I mean, except for maybe Michael Spinks, was like a bunch of chumps. I mean, really. Just oh yeah, well, like- yeah. When he went, dude, you, you, you're not lying. When, when, when Mike won the heavyweight championship of the world, it was a, against an old Trevor Burbick, who even in his prime would have been massacred by Mike Tyson. Uh, then he ba- beat J- uh, James Bonecrusher Smith, one of the worst heavyweight champions of all time, to win the IBF title. And then he beat Tony Tucker, who had natural good talent, and hurt Mike in the first round with an uppercut. But for some reason, he stopped fighting and just held for the next 11 rounds, and Mike won a lopsided decision. Uh, by the time he fought Michael Spinks, Spinks was done. He came in the ring with two knee braces. And as yeah. great a light heavyweight as Michael Spinks was, he could have never beaten Mike at heavyweight. He was too small. He was too small to have beaten the Mike. All that herky-jerky moving, Mike would have caught up to him and, and, and knocked him out. Um, but the big fighters gave him problems. As you'll see, uh, and I mean, and they go into the Buster Douglas fight. Now, if Kevin Rooney would have been training him, he's not banging Japanese chicks every night in Japan. Right, and not training. Instead of drink. He did not train at all, and he got his ass handed to him in one of the worst beat. It was a one-sided beating before he got knocked out in, in in the 10th round. And that... He was never the same after that fight. People, and, and that's another thing the documentary didn't bring up. He was never the same after that Buster Douglas fight. And then part one ends with him being accused of rape. And that's where part two picks up. And part two was the exact opposite of part one. Well, part one was uneven and full of holes and subpar. Part two was tremendous. At the first 45 minutes of the documentary was the best detailed account I've ever seen of the uh, uh, of, of the Desiree Washington rape trial. It was just, I mean, it was fascinating, fascinating television because you saw perspectives from both sides. And now, the in the first part, you saw how they painted Robin Givens as his evil witch. In part two, they didn't. They didn't paint Desiree Washington as an evil woman. It was very even on both sides. They 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 made a concerted effort, Logan, to show both sides of the equation, her side think, and her side. 
What do you think actually happened in that hotel room? I think she went up. She was 18 years old. She was naive. I think she was thinking, man, I I know he just got a divorce. He's got a lot of money. She's a pretty girl. And she probably thought, you know, I could start dating. We could start dating and get to know each other. I don't think as an 18-year-old virgin, she was going up there to have sex. She was being naive. He went up there, and he's Mike Tyson. And this is what he said. I'm, I'm reiterating what he said during the trial. Well, if a, if a girl comes to my room at 2 o'clock in the morning, they know I'm fucking. We fucking. They know what to expect. And uh, they probably started kissing, and then, you know, he started following her ass. And she was like, oh, no, Mike. No, Mike, I'm not ready. And he was like, fuck that. I'm horny. My dick is hard. And he took it. Okay, so he did rape her. That, um, that, that's my opinion. That's my opinion. Um, and this is from... I'm a 53-year-old man. I've been in that position before where I've been with a woman at 3 in the morning, and we got hot and heavy, and she's like, oh, I'm not ready. And then me with my, with my rock hard, I'd go to the, to, the, to the toilet and rub it out because that's what Mike should have done. Now, the, the, the documentary talks about how his lawyers chose a strategy that was probably doomed to fail, which was and, – and, and it painted him as an animal. It painted him as an animal, and Carl Douglas – former associate partner of Johnny Cochran and Johnny Cochran's law firm was tremendous talking head on this part where he mentioned had Mike had a black uh, criminal defense attorney instead of a white criminal defense attorney, things could have gone differently because they would have attacked it differently. They wouldn't have used that strategy. Vincent Fuller was able to get Don King off of tax evasion charges Six years prior, seven years prior to this, tax evasion and rape are two different types of uh, crime. Yeah, well, let's, You're trying to let's talk about what the strategy was. The strategy was that they were going to paint her as being naive for going. No, they to were going the... to and, and and that you know she went up there with the intention of having sex and then turned him down, but she wanted it. It was stupid. It was yeah. oh my god. Even and, if she did that, it's still rape. It's still rape, and like Carl Douglas said, the look on the the look on the uh, the jurors' faces were horror. Were in horror, and that's when everybody knew he's getting convicted. Well, we he didn't was see on that. On he was yeah. on the stand, and he's like, "What did you?" They are like, "What did you he say to her?" Incriminated himself, and he says, "I said I want to fuck you." Yeah, and it's like okay. I mean, that doesn't mean you raped her just because you said that, but it kind of. At that point, it looked like he was. That was his intent. Yeah. And they talked about how she was on the stand for damn near six hours, and she did not break. She stood hold to, hold, true to a story. That right there told me he was guilty. Right. So what? What would have been the strategy without with a black lawyer? I mean, what would they have done? I, I don't, they I probably just, would. They probably would have done if he would have hired Johnny Cochran's firm. They would have went. You know. 400 years of slavery, uh, black men traditionally have been uh, vindicated, I mean not vindicated, been indicted and, and tried before a, a trial was, or was, 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 was portrayed as savages. Here's the heavyweight champion of the world. They would have brought up the, 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 the ministers that, 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 that were counseling him, and they would have talked about all the children's groups he was dealing with. They would have painted a much rosier picture of Mike. And made it look like uh, this man. And look at all the women that want him. Why would he do this to her when he could have any woman in the world? That's not what Fuller and his team did. Yeah, I mean, I think they also could have gone into her intentions and what she said to her friends. Right, because her friends said that you know she wanted she wanted to she want you know she wanted she she wanted to to meet him and stuff like that. That all could have been brought up. And remember. Reasonable doubt is all they need for him right. to get off. All right, so he gets convicted, and um, they, they 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 show him go to jail. They show the interviews he has in prison, and then he comes out and a new Muslim. He makes, he, but he makes the mistake again of going back with Don King. Right. He could have been a free agent. This was the perfect time for Mike to be a free agent and go with the highest bidder. No, he goes to he goes to uh, Don King. And they talk yes, about, man. you know, he, 
all the the same yes men that he left, he came back to. And then they go to the night of September 7th, 1996. And this was the most heartbreaking part of the document of the two-part documentary because Rosie, who was very close friends with both Mike and Tupac, talked about the night Tupac was murdered, and she got the phone call, and she almost started crying. Rosie was sensational. What did you think about that part where Rosie talked about she got the phone call like 2 o'clock in the morning that Tupac had been shot? Yeah, she's like, it's time to party. She's like, I went to bed, and then the phone kept right. ringing. And, and yeah, and then it was like two, and it was just, they were such a great friendship, you know, Tupac and, cause they kind of had yeah, similar he, stories. What, hap- what happened was when Tyson was in jail, Tupac visited him, visited him in prison. And then when Tupac went to prison for about six months, they were both in prison at the same time. They were writing to each other. And then when Tyson came home, he visited Tupac in prison before Tupac was released, and they stayed friends. Whenever Pac was in Vegas, Mike would he would stay with Mike, or Mike would stay with Suge Knight, because Suge Knight had a mansion in Las Vegas. So uh, yeah, so uh, that they they were a real they were a real great friendship, and I always wondered, Logan, and this was this documentary didn't didn't touch on it, and I've never seen it touched on. What effect did Tupac's murder have on Mike Tyson for the rest of his career? Oh, it hurt him deeply. Because in his he next fight, he friend. gets decimated. He gets decimated by Evander Holyfield in his very next fight after uh, after. Oh, and Rosie was tremendous when she recalled the bite fight, the second fight with Holyfield. Right. Rosie was tremendous. I mean, Rosie she Perez. Love, she she was incredible. Time. Yeah, yeah, she told the side without him having to tell it. Right, right. And 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 uh, you know, to be fair, Holyfield fought dirty in both fights. I mean, he did. Like, well, no he question. was. Uh, and Holyfield always did that, and he would have done that had they fought five years earlier when they were supposed to fight before Tyson got convicted. When Tyson pulled out with a mysterious rib injury, because uh, Holyfield was taught when you fight a bully. Bully the bully, and that's how Holyfield fought him. He fought him like he was trying to out bully a bully, and he out he bullied him so badly that he made him bite his ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, he kept he there was a big headbutt in that second fight. That yeah, but he, he cut his he eye. Was, Holyfield was like any other great fighter: Felix Trinidad, Bernard Hopkins, psychological warfare, and they would do anything, dirty tricks, whatever, to try to break his spirit. He broke Mike's spirit twice. Yeah, and I think I mean, Mike he, realized that years later when he apologized to Holyfield. I think it finally, it finally computed in Mike's head years later that you know what, in in, in war, you use your battles. You can get away with headbutts. You can't get away with biting the ear. Yeah, well, I, at that point he was he was basically forfeiting the fight. With the, yeah, he just wanted yeah. revenge. He didn't, he didn't give a damn anymore. He didn't give a damn. And that's what Rosie was recounting. He's like, here he is. This guy who's always been misunderstood, and he tries to go to the ref, and the ref just gives him a blank stare, and he just says, fuck it, and he goes and bites his ear. So it was almost just like him he crying could, for he help. Could've, he he could have he hit Holyfield low. He could have done other things. Bite in the ear, that's just, that's your way out. and then, That's like, there's, yeah. there's no coming back from that. And so and then after that, things really spiraled out of control. And for all intents and purposes, Tyson's career was over after that. He, I mean, he kept fighting. He had the big fight with Lennox Lewis, with Lewis destroyed him. And then the end of his career, where he took one beating after another until he finally quit against Kevin McBride. But he did a great job retelling all of this. And then the end of the, the last half hour of the documentary was beautiful. They showed the, the Oprah clip where he apologized and hugged. Evander Holyfield on one of the great last episodes of the Oprah Winfrey show. Uh, they show him going to an ESPN fight card out of nowhere and apologizing to Teddy Atlas for what had happened with his sister-in-law several years earlier. That was beautiful. And, it, I mean, this document, second part was tremendous. And then 
the never-before-seen interview that he filmed in November where he talks about the first time he wanted to be a, a fighter because a bully killed his pigeon and he beat the guy up. And and, and, and I didn't realize his uh, daughter was his daughter died. I didn't. I yeah, didn't out of uh, that. it was a it was a freak accident. He was he was on a road trip and she died in his in his in his um gym, the gym wow. that was built in the house. Uh, playing with uh the treadmill. Uh, yeah, and she got caught up and her neck was broken. Yeah, she got strangled um, by that fucking cord that they. You but know, they used. but that turned that, in my opinion, turned his life around. And but that was to me that was a turning point of his life because it could have gone either two ways. He could have either killed himself because that's the type of that's how frail his mentality was, or he could pick himself up and turn his life around. And he has turned his life around completely. And it's beautiful how the episode ended. With his young son, and they're talking about eagles and pigeons. Oh, that was beautiful. Yeah, he he was. Uh, he looked like he became almost like a. It looked like he did. He got some psychiatry for himself finally, and right, he right. worked. He worked on himself, and he became like almost like a Buddhist in his. You know the way he approached life, just very stoic, and he just kind of was like. He's like life was stronger than me, and it and it defeated me. But like now I'm here and I'm alive and I'm grateful. And he just says now I just live my life grateful and I'm happy. And he's finally happy I'm, after all these years, you know. Yeah, he's happy Great. today. He right. he's the happiest he's ever been today than he was thirty something years ago when he was on top of the world. He was he was angry. He didn't love himself back then. This is a key for for the listeners out there. If you don't love yourself doesn't matter how many millions you have doesn't matter how many women you get or how many men you get or or, or or how many people want to be your friend how many people tell you they love you if you don't love yourself none of that shit means nothing yeah and, and, and you won't be happy i mean you just and man i mean that scene with his son right there shows you that he's at peace with himself remember he tells his son the last words i love you more than anything in this world don't never forget that that was just great shit and i'm proud of mike because Mike has done, turned himself around. I didn't like this guy 30 years ago. And today, I like him. I love what he's done. And he, he's proof that you can turn your life around. Because in 1988, after he knocked out Larry Holmes, Larry Holmes made a prediction that almost came to reality. He said, well, in, in 20 years, he, he'll be in jail or dead. Well, he did go to jail, and he almost died a few times. But no, he... Uh, he uh, at, he'll be 55 in a few weeks, and he's happier than ever before. Yeah, they talked about him being in the Hangover movie, and now that really yeah. like turned things around for him. Just kind of ex- people accepted him in a different way. It, 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 his his one man Broadway show, uh, right? And for those who want to see that, it might be on HBO Max because it was also filmed for HBO and shown on HBO for several years. Uh, yeah, he. He turned it around. He owns a uh, marijuana dispensary in Las Vegas that's making him a lot of money. I mean, he he yeah, I think really... that's the only drug he's doing now, right? I mean, he smoked definitely yeah, smoked weed. Yeah, well, if you own a weed dispensary, he's smoking weed. But that that <laughs> that but it was just good. He's got to have something to uh, keep him high. So because uh, he was getting high on coke, and he was really getting. No, he was a huge. He was a huge cokehead for years and years for for yeah. years. And he was on depressants. He was doing all types uppers, downers. Ever since, got out, ever since he got out of prison, he kind of went right into that. Um, yeah, yeah, he went right into that because he was always depressed. And cocaine is bad for a man with with manic depression. And Mike's bipolar. He 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 he's been diagnosed as being bipolar. Yeah, so, there, there, there was the marijuana help. No, there was an incident in a road rage incident with him, right? He like oh yeah, that somebody. was in 1999. Where yeah, where, yeah, yeah. He had to sit on a court with the guy, and he had to do <laughs> he, he. I think he had to do like 30 days of jail for behind that too. Yeah, because it was a violation. That. It was a violation of his parole. Yeah, so um, as bad as part one was, part two was sensational, and it was a great ending, and. Um, for those who haven't watched the documentary, 
I wouldn't. If you don't watch part one, you're not missing anything. Well, part I two. Think, I mean, I liked part one because it was. I mean, I understand it had a lot of holes in it, but yeah. I just liked the parts that were in it uh, were okay, and and they were. You know, it's it's compelling. I mean, his story is compelling. So yeah, they missed some crucial things, but and I just hope, the fall and rise and of hope, the rise and fall is, is interesting. The rise and fall and then the rise again. That's what this yeah. is. Yeah. Oh, and I forgot to mention my man Daryl Strawberry, who had a life similar to Mike Tyson, who turned his life around, who's an ordained minister, who goes from town to town to uh to to uh minister young men and youth groups was talking. And man, he was tremendous. And man, shout out to Daryl Strawberry, another guy who turned his life around when it looked like it was over. Yeah. Well now Mike Tyson now He's never actually come clean and said, I raped Desiree Washington, right? He always Whenever denied. they ask him about it, he's like, the past is the past. I don't talk about it. Because he he doesn't want to – he's not going to maintain his innocence anymore, but he's not going to say that he did it. But he's not going to say he's guilty either. I think that's yeah. the one thing – the less said, the better. That's what I believe. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting with this Me Too movement. Like, he hasn't been treated like Bill Cosby, I guess because it was because, a one-time deal. Because, like, one of the commentators said, if he, I think it was Randy Gordon, had he come out in 2020 and not 1995, it would be a whole different story because of the cancel culture. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it, was, it wasn't like he was a serial rapist like uh, Bill Cosby. <laughs> it was like a one-time thing, and, and, you know, it probably was I, – I would think that – it got pretty heavy. Like they probably were just about to have sex, and it was just like she's like wouldn't let she him got, put it in. She got. I think she got scared and said, "No, I'm not ready." And right, he just forced it in. He's there. used to get his way. He forced. He forced himself up, and that's yeah. my side. And look, I can't be sued for libel because he was convicted of that crime. <laughs> Man, there there was one woman on that was talking. One of the talking heads. She was one of the Black Miss America contest. Man, she's still hot. I was like, wow, this chick is like. Man, she didn't age at all. Yeah, I was like, she looked almost the same as she did thirty years ago. Yes, yes. And I was. He, like, she was the one who 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 said he told he told you know I want to eat you right. I, I, right. Do you like the, are you from where you from Atlanta? Yeah, they 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 they. I heard they got good food out there. I like to eat, but I want to eat you, not food. <laughs> She's like, nah, never mind. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the worst thing to do is put them in there with all that those beauty packs. That was a huge. That was a huge mistake. Huge mistake. I think one but, of the uh, commentators was like, if he never got on that plane, history would have been a whole lot that different. Was the, no, that was that was his driver. That right, was his right. driver. But what's a driver? What kind of what kind of leverage does a driver have? Like he's going to be able to stop Mike from going to a beauty pageant with ass from here to there. <laughs> but you could see in the films, he was just like he was. No, he was holding the, 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 the lust was in his eyes. We saw the lust in his eyes. He yeah. was he was a kid in a candy store. He picked the wrong girl too. He. If he had picked any one of those other chicks, he would have just fucked them and it would have been over. But he picked the one that didn't that was a virgin. <laughs> Probably because yeah, that was naive. Was. He picked the most naive out of the entire group. Yeah, and and it seemed like you know he could have got he could have had any one of those women, but he yeah, chose the one. Yeah, because he, he was like Tyson. He picked the raw one, and um, like I said, if he was that horny, he should have went to the bathroom, rubbed one out, gave homegirl cab fare. And call one of his other hosts. Seriously, man. So many women out there that would have would have volunteered uh-huh. Uh-huh. for that. But what a, what a shame for him. But um, it looked like he started in prison when he was to get a little bit of the perspective that he was getting later in his life. But then it got derailed by Don King. Also, they didn't talk about Don King getting punched out by Mike Tyson, right? I mean, at they, one point. They didn't mention that. And they didn't mention the lawsuit that that Mike had against Don. And Mike was about to win. And then Don gave him $3 million and said, look, sign this paper and <laughs> drop the lawsuit. And Mike, who was so broke, took it. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, Don King, who's like, I think he was one of the biggest Trump supporters ever. Don um, King, 
Don King has ruined so many fighters, and Mike is one of the few that that uh, survived. You talk about the the the, the show Surviving R. Kelly. There should be a documentary called Surviving Don King. <laughs> yeah, I mean Don King was really. I mean, he, it's an interesting story, but he was like, it, it's amazing where he came from. I mean, he was in jail, and like two years later, they were he talking was about a cr- he was a crime lord in Cleveland, and he got he was able to get out and a pardon because he was able to pay off the governor of Ohio to get them a pardon. That's it. They don't talk about that. But if he wasn't a big-time crime figure, he'd still be in jail for murder. Yeah. And he – now, he, where, where is his influence in boxing now? Does he have any? It's dead. It's dead. He's got okay. maybe two fighters. He's 89, about to be 90. It's over. His career – his promotional career has been over for over a decade now. And But yet he did work with Ali, huh? I mean – how much? How close was he with Ali, or not much? If it wasn't for Ali, there'd have been no Don King. Right. But Ali because, didn't get because they had by a him. mutual friend who introduced each other, and that's how Don King got his foot in the door. But he didn't get fuck. He didn't fuck over Ali. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Oh, he and did. he got and he got fucked. He here's here's a here's a story that not too many people talk about, but it's true. You could Google it. Anybody out there that wants to verify this. In 1980, when Ali got battered by Larry Holmes, Don King shorted him $10 million he promised him. Okay. A year later, Ali goes to the Bahamas to fight Trevor Burbick in his very last fight. Don King goes there and tells the promoters, you can't have this fight. I've got exclusive rights to Ali. I'm, I'm, I'm calling, no, we can't have this fight. The Nation of Islam went to his hotel room, broke four or five ribs of King, put him in the hospital, and King was, flew back to the United States. <laughs> and that was it. Huh? They had to fight. Yeah, that was that. That was the yeah, yeah. So uh, he got his probably, up his right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it probably wouldn't have been better if he didn't take that fight because it wasn't pretty. But yeah. 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 <laughs> but in any case, uh, so – but I didn't so think he, he went there to stop the fight. I mean, he was going. To, he was trying to get a cut of the of profit. Course. Yeah, he he would have settled. For, he would have settled for a monetary uh, a settlement. Instead, he, he settled for broken ribs. <laughs> yeah, it's weird that um, that Mike Tyson went back with him. Uh, I guess so. When he when he when did he actually realize? When did he punch out? Uh, what year was that when he punched out? Uh, we put, I believe that was around the time he did the WrestleMania angle with Stone Cold Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels early 98 because that's when he fired him. And there was reports that they were in Miami at the pool, at a, at, by, by a pool, and he just knocked Don King the fuck out. <laughs> I wonder how many times Don King's been punched. I mean, you talk about him getting some broken ribs. He's probably been beat up a couple times. Oh, without than, a doubt. Than, without a doubt. No. Without a doubt. But what other big uh, time boxers has he been associated with? Oh, he, Larry Holmes, Ali. Ali got him into the, into, into, into the boxing. He had Roberto Duran, Julio Cesar Chavez. He robbed from all of them. He was Felix Trinidad's a promoter for many, many, many years. He's promoted a bevy of all-time greats. Yeah, he's he's definitely a big figure in that in the boxing history. Yeah, at at one time he was the most powerful man in boxing. Now, you know he he he's the he's the uh now he's the old guy in the office that's been working there for seventy years that they. Just let him have an office in the corner, and no one bothers him. <laughs> but he's still he's still pretty rich, I'm sure. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, uh, this is a now this documentary company who's doing. I mean, what other documentaries have they done? I don't look. I know it's an ABC, ESPN production, and and ESPN has done tremendous documentaries throughout the year. Throughout the years, uh, this was a very uneven one. Part two was tremendous. Part one had holes in it. 
Uh, so, I mean, you interested, you have ESPN Plus, their documentary section. There's a whole lot of great documentaries for those who have ESPN Plus that's on that app. So, uh, it, 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 they're, they're on every sport, boxing, baseball, basketball, football, etc. Now, when Rooney was um, fired by Mike Tyson, did he ever get back into the game and start training other yeah, people? He was he, he had success with Tommy Morrison and Vinny, Vinny Pazienza. Okay, those two. But yeah. uh, but nothing like on the level of Mike Tyson. No, 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 no. Uh, Pazienza and Morrison both won world titles, but they weren't a pimple on Tyson's ass, no. And and was there ever a chance that Morrison could have fought Tyson? Yes, yes. Had he well, he wasn't beating Lennox Lewis, but uh, the night the night that Tyson beat Frank Bruno to win the WBC title in 1996, Tommy Morrison was supposed to be on that card that night, and they were and Tommy Morrison had signed the contract with with Don King. I, he, I think he was going to be a sacrificial lamb for Mike, but uh, he was tested positive for HIV before the fight, and the fight had to be canceled, and he was forced into retirement. Okay. All right. Yeah, the Tommy Morrison story is very tragic, too. Which, there's a tremendous documentary on ESPN Plus app about Tommy Morrison and his entire story. All right. Well, maybe. We'll and one last thing about Mike Tyson: they started filming his movie. Well, uh, this is Mike Tyson from 1995 to today, with Jamie Foxx as Mike Tyson. They started filming that a couple of weeks ago. Okay, that should be cool. I think he he'll do a good job. Yeah, he does a perfect impress impersonation, and he's got the physique. Yeah, he does, he's bulked up, and he and he. I think he used to do him on Living Color, right? Yeah, he, and he did a, a dead-on impersonation of him on Living Color. <laughs> All right, man. Well, and then um, it, he started. They talked about how he started a company where it's like aging fighters, and he's. I guess yeah, he's going to promote uh, them. Yeah, he uh, with, with with Holyfield and Roy Jones Jr. He's trying to set up pay-per-views every three, four months with him headlining, you know, old-timers league. Yeah, like I think he wants to do another one with, with Holyfield. Like yeah, the, but a Holyfield priced himself out. Holyfield wants an outrageous amount of money. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen him in a while. He looked pretty good up until a while ago. So. He, wants, like, he wants an outrageous amount of money. And, you know, uh, you know, Mike's got a budget. He can't pay everybody. Damn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, they made a million. They had a million buys for that. Yeah, budget. yeah, and and I think he made fifteen mil, and Roy made ten for their fight. Yeah, but Holyfield wants like twenty five, thirty million. Come on, man. How was he like? He acting like he's in his prime or some <laughs> shit. Come on, man. Yeah, but uh, my understanding is Holyfield's in serious debt, so that. He's try he's trying to get a huge payday, but you know what? I think if Evander goes down to ten or fifteen, that fight could be made. So Holyfield's in debt, huh? Why, man? Yeah. Like... yeah. It, it, it that happens when you've had a million wives and children. You know? Yeah. Well, Tyson's how many kids he has? He's like eight kids, right? Something yeah, like he's that. Yeah, he's got. And he's been been married three times. His his wife currently is is beautiful. Is yeah, like, I mean, and 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 everybody talks well about her, saying that she's one of the common factors of his life. Like his first two wives were very toxic. We know about Robert Gibbons. His second wife, Doctor Turner, she was a gold digger too. Uh, she and she had got a huge divorce settlement from Mike Tyson, and um, they didn't mention this in the documentary, but the man she left for Mike Tyson was a drug lord. Oh. <laughs> And she's a doctor? Yes, yes. Oh, my God. All right, well, I'm glad Mike Tyson has found peace, man, and uh, he seems yeah. like it's a great place. So we'll, it, they ended it on a high note, and we'll be uh, we'll be following whatever he does because uh, I think he's, still, he's very talented. I mean, I think even I as, mean, an he's, he's, as an he's, entertainer. He's set, 
He's got he's got his podcast. He's got that fight league. He's got the weed dispensary. He's getting paid to do appearances on AEW and television, uh, cameos on TV shows and movies. He's going to make and, – and you know they're going to have to pay him big money for this Tyson movie as a consultant. So, he, I mean, he's good. He's good right now. He's in – he is in a beautiful place right now, and I'm loving it for him, and I'm happy for Iron Mike. Yep. All right, man. So uh, we'll uh, be back with another Next Friday show. night. Next Friday night, we will be doing a show that that Logan will publish the day of his 50th birthday. Uh, people have been bugging me about this. When I posted it on Twitter, everybody's like, oh, when's this going to happen? I said, no. Next Friday night, Logan and I will be doing Tupac Shakur's 10 songs from his first three albums from 1991-1995. We have to split it into two parts because his discography is huge. And because his 50th birthday is on June 16th, that's what we'll be celebrating. But the 25th anniversary of his death occurred September 13th. So we'll be coming back with part two that week. Next week we'll be doing it. Are we going to do 20 songs? 10 songs this week, 10 songs in September. Nice. All right, that's great. That's a good. That's a good way of. And I, I sent you the ten. I sent you the ten songs, and man, this is a uh, this ten of his greatest songs. Oh man, hey, I, I sent you that pain song too, which is one of my all time favorite. I love that Maybe song. my favorite. Yeah. So we will be breaking down his lyrics, what it meant, uh, what, uh, what was going on in his life at that time, like we did with DMX. We'll be doing the same thing with Tupac Shakur. That'll be the next special edition of Logan's Movie Reviews, which will come out, today is now June 3rd, it will come out in 13 days. Oh, when you're listening to this, whenever Logan posts it, it'll be how many days from, from when you listen to this, June 16th is when that will be released. Big man? Yeah, I'm going to post this tonight, so it'll be, it'll be up. Right. But, um, but let's, uh, yeah, so what about boxing? What, what what do you got planned? Okay, for okay, okay. Now, uh, after the Tupac, man, we've got a huge boxing card June 19th. Uh, you have Tiafimo Lopez fighting that night. You have uh, no, no, Nayoa Inoue fighting that night. Yes, we'll be doing a boxing recap of their fights the following week after that. Okay, so that'll be we, the next. we can talk about Donaire's great knockout then, too. Um, yeah, we could talk. Yeah, and we could talk about Shakur Stevenson, who ironically fights on the eve of the man who his mother named him after, Tupac Shakur, 50th birthday. So we could talk all about that. So we'll have a fun-filled boxing recap show talking about Shakur Stevenson, Naomi Noe, Nonino Donaire, and Teofimo Lopez, four of the best fighters in the world, recent fights, all in one show. Cool, man. So we're looking forward to it. We'll talk soon, man. Have a good one. Thanks. All right, man. Enjoy your weekend coming up. Talk to you next Friday night, big man. Peace. Thanks, everybody, for listening.